0: Welcome to the Sunday morning service at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia, where Pastor Lauren Regeer opens God's Word each week to provide us with biblically-based teaching that helps you meet life head-on. Thank you for joining us, and may your hearts be blessed as God's Word is taught. And now, here is Pastor Lauren Regeer. All right, take your Bibles, please. Go to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, just a reminder about Sunday school, we're trying to embed the announcements uh, this morning throughout, but next Sunday morning, uh, uh, our our electives, our summer electives are done and we go back to normal class schedules. Look in your bulletin to find the place you need to go and be. Our thanks to Josh Murphy for sharing his testimony this morning. It was wonderful how God has just led in his life and directed him here. We're grateful for the Murphy family being with us. We're thankful for your family being here with us as well. And your story of grace is just as amazing. The visible hero behind all of our stories is Jesus Christ. Amen. We've come to know him as our Lord and Savior. Joshua chapter 1. We conclude our series on courage in the Bible. And we've talked about many biblical characters. Let's begin as we uh, gather our hearts and focus our hearts with a word of prayer. Father, again, we're thankful for the Spirit that directs uh, just the preaching and teaching of the word. We pray that we'd be accurate, that we'd be honest, that, Lord, you would do a work within us. This is not just a a dialogue of facts from the Bible, but, Lord, I pray that you would embolden us to do what you've called us to do. And, Lord, I pray that we would not be distracted from the great high calling of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you again for uh, what we've already heard today, for how our hearts have been made tender by good music. And Lord, I pray that you would be now honored in the preaching of the Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Joshua chapter 1, and we'll read the first nine verses in just a moment. We're kind of concluding a series on courage, standing strong. Joshua, this little phrase from this, at least this beginning text, only be thou strong. Of course, we see that mentioned in our text at least the first few verses four times. It's a repeated reminder. It's a great place to end our series on courage. I just want to give you a heads up about Pastor Star and his family. In fact, the whole Star constellation are gone. Uh, today, they're in Indianapolis. Uh, for a couple, three days, making a CD. I don't know if that's old school. I guess they're making a recording. That's better. Uh, I don't know if we even use CDs anymore, but uh, they're making a musical recording. And I I thank God for the talent all posited in one family like that. It's amazing. I've even got a a kind of a text for this album they're going to produce. Job 38.7 says, When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy the singing stars it's going to be great i've already got the i've got the album cover ready to go uh, but just pray for them that it'll just go well over there i know it will be our journey through the bible's most courageous men and women this summer has highlighted important people but it surprised us a little bit too did you know that biblical courage has nothing to do with your skill or personality or natural vivaciousness. (laughs) It has nothing to do with that. Biblical courage is a dependence upon God's power. It is. The righteous, those that have put their confidence and their life, their life anchor in God and His Word are as bold as a lion no matter what your personality is. There's, a, there's times in my life where I had wished that I was more of a natural leader, just a, just a natural-born leader. And I've never seen that in my life. If, if I'm a leader at all, it's because of God giving me uh, his courage to do so. But natural boldness has never been type A personality. When Josh was sharing his testimony this morning, and he says, I don't forget a thing. I just, a detailed manager just has it together. I, I was thinking as he was saying, and giving the dates of where he was when he got saved, the side of the room he got saved on, who was there when, when he, he asked the Lord to save him. I thought, man, I can barely I can barely tell you how many kids I have. <laughs> Uh, but there are people that just are able to diagnose and manage a situation. Maybe you're that way. You're just a natural, by nature leader, the most likely to succeed. I, uh, I like this little slide of a of a of a cartoon character. Let's see if this will push forward here. Um, that uh, we might have to help me back there. You might have to be my go-to guy today. Some of you who are older remember this. This is Yosemite Sam. And he is pictured in the old cartoons by a whirlwind because when he comes, he just takes over the scene. He moves in. There's dust everywhere. He's shouting out commands. And I love the story about Yosemite Sam. He rushes into a dark tunnel. He's first, of course, and he's yelling, charge to all those coming behind him. And once he's inside the dark tunnel, he pulls out a match and he lights it. Poof. And he realizes that he's in the cylinder of a cannon. (laughs) And all of a sudden, just before the big explosion, you hear this small little voice say, Retreat! (laughs) And kaboom! Some of you know how to just take over a room or a team. You're natural leaders. It's been interesting as we've looked at those on our list. Not everybody on our list we've chosen to highlight courage in the Bible are natural leaders. In fact, many are very recalcitrant on their heels when God meets them like Gideon and has to really push people like Gideon and Moses into the fray. Here we're going to see again great reminders in Joshua, the first few verses. And I'm going to do my best to compress my thoughts because we have a business meeting coming up. But I want you to know that here's really a good summation of our series on courage. What are the core basics to biblical courage? I have a sister-in-law who can walk into a situation, analyze what needs to be done, formulate a plan, delegate workers, and have a team cheer with t-shirts in place while I'm still holding the doorknob. I envy people like that. But we're seeing that truly God does choose the weak, doesn't He? And once filled with God's power and God's plan and God's presence, there's an amazing thing that God can do with our lives. I remember in high school, I struggled with the fact that God was leading me into the ministry because I had a lot of complaints. I am not naturally gifted. I'm not a natural speaker, Lord. I was the quiet one, believe it or not, in our family. I really was. And I argued with God all the way up front the night that Harold Seitler was preaching and God's Spirit got a hold of me. I argued with God all the way, Lord, are you sure? And uh, I went to sales school just because I thought it would help one summer in college to try to become more Um, what is the word? More aggressive, more vivacious, more, well, more of a leader. So I sold books for a summer with Thomas Nelson. They put you through a sales school, and here I was, this very shy kid, junior in college, and they told us something. They said, now listen, if you really want to sell well, no matter what your personality, just wake up in the morning and say this, if you act enthusiastic, you become enthusiastic. If you act enthusiastic, you become enthusiastic. Just look yourself in the mirror and say that. So I did. I slapped myself in the face, and every morning, this shy Kansas uh, Mennonite background boy, I'd look, if you act enthusiastic, you become enthusiastic. And so I'd go out and I'd knock on a door or two and the lady of the house would come and say, beat it kid, I have no use for whatever you're selling in that bag. And so I would kind of just melt into a little lump on the sidewalk and I'd walk away saying, if you act in the house, you'll be coming. And I can't tell you how many times I had a door slammed in my face. And I realized that true biblical courage has nothing to do with how powerfully you present yourself and your natural personality. God uses some of the most backward and shy. And, and you think about it. We talked about this last week. They were amazed at the disciples in the courtyard of the temple because they knew that they had what? Been with Jesus. If there's anything good, powerful about us, it's because Christ is doing a work in us. Well, as the curtain opens here in Joshua, we are, just by way of reminder, given the secret of his courage. Before him were 31 enemy nation states. I don't know if it's before you today or uh, in the near future. What are you facing? All of us are facing monumental challenges as we grow up, whether we're young, middle-aged, or older. There's always something to intimidate us. 31 enemy nations, and they were all uh, inside the borders and around the borders of the land promised to Joshua and Moses. And yet they had to cross a river with millions of people, over 2 million strong, across a river where there were no bridges under the leadership of Joshua. If anything, 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness with people with... With only a rear view mirror. All they could do is think about Egypt, right? That generation that followed Joshua and Moses and Caleb around could think of nothing but the food, the diet they had left behind them. And more than anything, they wanted to leave and depart and go back. They died, that generation, one by one. And there was a new generation coming up with not such a great attachment to the past, more excited about the future. So there's a new day, a new chapter. It's a rematch, really. Canaan land too, the rematch, and there's a new generation still, though the foes are the same, right? We've got the same enemies. In fact, the giants, if anything, are bigger. Some of them are listed by name. Og, the Moabitess, or the Moabite. You know what? There it was. Nothing had changed. The, the land that was supposed to be their possession was, was possessed by many, many enemies. And yet, we see this wonderful template of courage. What does it take to face what you're facing? What does it take to be victorious in your life? As we read these first nine verses, can I ask you a question? As we read the verses, ask yourself this question. What does it take for me to be confident and courageous in my life? Walk with the Lord. Is there any principle that I can take in our time together this morning from the Word that will be of help to me? There would be a seven-year campaign, seven years, where the land would be dispossessed by Caleb and those surrounding him. What a mighty leader he was. It was a new day. And we think of Joshua as really the epitome of courage. But Joshua's courage was not from himself It was from another source. And let's read these verses again. Please read with this question in your mind upon what basis am I to be strong and courageous? Chapter 1 and verse 1, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, his servant, his understudy, saying this, Moses, my servant, is dead. That's scary enough in its own right. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give thee, even to the children of Israel. Remember, our thought is, what are the principles in these few verses that would make me courageous for what God has given me to do? Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that I have given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, the great sea going, towards, going, going toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. This is the covenant again reestablished in terms of territory. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee, be strong and of a good courage, Four times in, these few, in this first chapter alone, we see this repeated theme. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only, as if you've forgotten already, be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do all according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right, to the left, that thou mayest mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This, verse 8, probably verses 8 and 9 are very familiar to you uh, or to us. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, for then... Thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage? Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. I think the first really principle that I see, even before you have a chance to answer the principles that you see in the text that are so important to our boldness for the Lord, is that courage is fortified when we take up the right practice. Courage is fortified when we take up the right practice. Look at verse 2. If you'll just move to the, the pulpit mic back there, that would be great. I think this one is clicking in and out. If you would help me out by doing that, I'll try to stay planted here. Courage is fortified when we take up the right practice. Look at verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead, and here comes the command from heaven. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, take the people with you to the land that I do give thee. Arise, go over to the land that is my, my possessed land for you, my prize for you, my gift to you. Did you know that God is most pleased when our foremost pleasure is the pursuit of his will? Let me say that again. God is most pleased in us when the pursuit of his His will is our foremost pleasure. Courage is fortified when we take up His work, His will done His way. You see the task again uh listed for us as we read through you are to go to this land you're to dispossess it of the enemy and i will be with thee sometimes we get uh, this question uh, thrown at us well that was joshua and that uh, that was the old testament and that was certainly a a plan that god had given and a in a place god had promised through abraham and isaac and jacob certainly that was god's plan for joshua what about me I don't have a specific uh, plan that's been kind of written out for me, do I? As to where to live, house to buy, person to marry. I wish that God would be so specific with me that I would just know what his will is. So what, what are we to do living in the New Testament times, the church age? Is there any place in the Bible that gives us a directive as to what God's will is for us? Well, it's all over the Bible, right? How can I be courageous? Well, first of all, I am to do what God's called me to do. Sometimes we quote the verses found in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, right? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And we forget all about verse 10 in Ephesians 2. Let me read it. We ought to memorize that one, too, because it tells us what we're to do after we get saved. Let me read it for you. Here it is. It's the New Testament corollary. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto, can you you remember those words? Unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You see, God doesn't save us so that the rest of our life we can say, well, I got saved at a certain date in my life, and I'm so thankful for that. We ought to remember, of course, what we did and what we said. But if there's true life in us, God has given us a purpose. We're not to flounder through life. We're to do the good works he's called us to do. And so we can be courageous and be fortified in our boldness when we take up God's calling for us. He has something for you. The question is, are you doing it? Are you doing what God's called you to do? Are you diligent about obeying God and his plan for you? So many times we struggle with confidence because we are out of compliance. We struggle with confidence because we are out of compliance. Compliance. We're not doing what God wants us to do, and we know it. No wonder we're an easy target for the devil. Or we're blaming others for our non-compliance. You ever see that? You ever hear that? I do all the time. Here's a poem by someone who's blaming others for the problems in her life. She says this, I went to my psychiatrist to be psychoanalyzed, to find out, to find out why I killed the cat and blackened both my husband's eyes. He laid me on a couch to see what he could find, and here is what he dredged up from my subconscious, subconscious mind. When I was one, my mommy hid my dolly in a trunk, and so it follows that I'm always drunk. When I was two, I saw my father kiss the maid one day, and that is why I'm divorced. It's what they say. At three, I had the feeling of ambivalence about my brothers, and that is why I poison all my lovers. But I'm so happy now I've learned the lesson that this is taught that everything I do that's wrong is someone else's fault. Isn't that nice? It's not my problem. I am who I am because of all these bad things in my life. God looks a square in the eye and says, listen, you have a responsibility to live up to your calling, to do the good works that I've called you to do, regardless of how tough it's been in your life. Why isn't God working in my life? Well, it's because I'm damaged. No. We're to say, Lord, by your grace, by your power, by your enablement, I'm going to do what you've asked me to do, and I'm going to do it consistently, a long obedience in the same direction. And by your grace at the end of life, we can look back and see day by day it's been a walk of victory. You've empowered me. Joshua 1.8 says this, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate in therein day and night that you might observe to according to all that's written therein. Uh, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Every word is important, but I like the day and night there. Are you a part-time Christian? I like the day and night thing there. Here he is saying to Joshua, Day, obey me. Night, obey me. Day 24 hours, seven days a week. Are you willing to do what he wants you to do? That's where courage comes. I think it's important that we understand that, that we need to ask ourselves, am I doing today what God wants me to do? Secondly, uh, as we move through this, courage is strengthened when we stand on the right promises. Uh, certainly the land was filled with enemies. And so there needed to be some anchor points in Joshua's life. We find out very quickly as we look through the text that again, many, many times in the text, the Lord has promised Joshua something. Maybe you picked up on that as I asked you the question, what principles are core or basic foundational to true biblical courage? The, The fact is, not only am I doing what God wants me to do, I know that, yes, sir, I'm a day and night Christian. I'm consistent as far as I know. I'm perfect, but I'm doing the best I can to live the Christian life. Secondly, what promise are you hanging on to? I love that this, this portion of Scripture is filled with promises. Let me ask you a question. What is the promise of God that is empowering your service? This is a promised land. The Bible says... Uh, I, Jehovah God, have promised promised it to you. I have given you this land, Genesis 12, 15. There's the covenant given to his forefathers, forebearers. And now I want you to circle or think through these words of promise, verse 2. I do give. Uh, I, I circle the word give, the occurrences of given this, this text. I will give you this land. Verse 3, I have given it unto you. Wait a minute, Joshua could have said, it doesn't look like it's got a big bow around it. It's full of enemies. Yet I have given it to you. That's my promise. As I said to Moses. You go on, verse 6, I swear to give it. It's my word. I'm giving you, Joshua, I'm giving you my word, so proceed with confidence. Be courageous. I swear this unto your fathers to give them. Verse 11. Pass through the host. Prepare yourselves. At the end of the verse. Why? Because you're going to a land that what? God hath given you to possess. Verse 13. The Lord hath given you rest, given you this land. And then I love verse Verse 15. Follow along there in your Bible, verse 15, until the Lord has given you rest. He's given you the land to possess. He's given you the enemies and you will return. He's speaking now out of the two and a half tribes who are, who are partly going to stay on the other side of the Jordan. He's going to bring you back. The victory is already settled and sealed. I've promised it. I promised to give it to you. Four times In verse 15, the Lord uses the word, given, giveth, gave. You can't miss that your future is wrapped up in the hand of God. So what are you afraid of today? Well, Pastor, I have a long list. I really do. How can you have courage? Number one, am I doing what God wants me to do? Or are you a rebel to his known will? Secondly, are you believing what God wants you to believe? Are you holding on to a promise? Ask yourself the question upon which eternal claim am I living my life? Or am I just bouncing my way through, just living like the unsaved do from one weekend to the next without any really mooring or any rails upon which? The Bible is a promise book. Not every promise in the book is yours. Some were specific to the people of Israel. But there are many general promises that you've got to tie your anchor to. Cast your anchor upward, someone said. It'll help you through the storms of life, won't it, if you're anchored on a promise. Don't be a Christian unattached to heavenly promises. Know them, memorize them, and be driven. And settled by them. What are the promises of God in the church age? Well, there are many, right? I love 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But thanks be to God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. Always. Even through the diagnoses that are tough and the difficult days and the relationships that we struggle with and the unknown, uh, unknowns of our future, aren't you glad that he always causes us to triumph in Christ? You're on the winning side. I've read the last chapter, and we win. What promise are you attached to? Do you know that John asked a question, the writer, what is it that overcomes the world, even our faith? Faith caches The check that God has already signed for in His blood. The cross is the greatest confirmation. The empty grave is the greatest confirmation that we serve a living Savior. That everything He said will come true. Take it to the bank. Well, it's a cloudy day you're living in. I understand that. It's a tough time. But know that through Christ, not someday you will have the victory. Already the victory is secured. It's the land, Joshua. You haven't even crossed the river yet. But once you do, understand that land is your land. I've given it to you. Joshua had a lot of questions. I don't know how it's going to work out. How are we going to get through that double thick wall at Jericho? I don't know. Know one thing. God has promised it to you. You can be courageous and bold because he has given you the land. So you see, God's practices and God's promises bring, once they are attached to God's person and presence, we can be courageous. As I, verse 5 says, as I was what? With Moses. So I will be with thee. I remember when my dad left the church to go to Brazil for a short stint and said, son, it's time for you to just step into the role of the minister. You will be the senior pastor, although you're in your 20s, while I'm gone And I remember as dad and mom drove their little car to the airport, I just had this internal, like, what am I going to do now? You think think there's fears and worries in your life? Stand where I've got to stand every Sunday and look at you all. How am I going to feed the sheep? How am I going to care? How am I going to... And I was standing there quaking in my boots. And then... The sense that God is with. Is this God's calling or not? Is it God's church or not? Then get alongside and be a conduit of blessing the best way you know how. You don't have to be your father. You just need to be the best shepherd you can be. I am with you. I will be with you. Have you thought about that today? That God is with you. I woke up this morning, and there was a hand holding mine, and I recognized the sense of His presence, and on His hand were the calluses of a million victories and the scars of the greatest victory. The hand holding my hand had conquered sin, death, and hell. What other hand do I need? Sometimes we run in circles, we scream and shout, we go to friends, when all the while God has promised us quietly, I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you even though you leave me. I will never. What a hand this is. A divine practice, a divine reliance on the divine promises brings a divine presence like no other. I talk to so many discouraged Christians. Are you in the word? No. Are you praying? No. Are you going to church? Not much. Just when I was a crisis, I go. Are you anchored to the promises of God? What promises? Can you quote one verse of Scripture? Not really. I'm so discouraged. Then may I recommend, dear friend, that you undertake his plan. Not yours, his. That you understand, secondly, that he wants to be the one that promises you his victory. And then take hold of his hand. Ask yourself, upon whose strength do I rely? You've been fighting. You've been running. You've been willing something to happen. You've been wanting it. And yet you know that the very hand you hold is the hand you fight. And God is saying, just like a dad To a young three-year-old who wants to cross the street because she knows that it's the best thing in the world to get to the other side and dad knows about the traffic. I've done this with our little Whitney pulling her back. No. And Whitney is most happy when she realizes that daddy knows best. Do you think your daddy in heaven knows best? And don't fight the one. Be encouraged by the one that has given you his future. This land is your land. It is my pleasure to give you the kingdom. I close with this illustration. We heard it. Robin was playing, actually, a podcast of Clarence Sexton this past week, and she said, come in here. You need to hear this. And so I did, and preachers need to get preached at. And so Clarence was reminding us of God's great grace in our lives. He said, I can just imagine if somebody, and people do come to me, he said, for all kinds of things. For, for money, sometimes they come at the church and they want this or some service they need rendered. And, and they have their list of things they need. We all do. And he says, just imagine if a dear couple came to our living room and asked for things, all kinds of good things. And I would look at them in the eye and say, you know what? Instead of that, dear friend, I'm going to give you instead my two sons. Because I realize that money will run out. Your car will rust out. Whatever relief you're looking for me for right now, in time, that will just wear out. But I have decided, dear friend, to give you my sons, both of them. Take them. Of course. This illustration rung home with me because I have two that once in a while I would like to give away. But he said, God did that. If he freely gave us his son, will he not with that gift freely give us all things? Why are you worried? Take courage, dear friend. God has given you his future, promised you his home, empowered you for living, and gave you himself. What more do I need? Thank you for joining us today. Please tune in each week for new messages from Pastor Lauren Regeer at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you.